JJ. She's from me. <laughs> well, hey, can I have you both? Uh, sure. <laughs> We've had our shots. <laughs> I'd buy that for a dollar. <laughs> Welcome back to the Blood and Black Rum Podcast. I'm Ryan from Coldsploitation.com, and I'm joined with my co-host, Martin. How's it going? Doing well. Uh, I was remarking to you a little bit earlier about our episode last week on Roadhouse, and that it was a cursed episode. We, we're, it's never going to be perfect. We're never going to get a an episode on Roadhouse where it was just, you know, all rainbows and smiles. It had a fucked up intro, and for about thirty minutes of the the show, my my mic was off. So, you know, it is what it is. We're not going to go back and re-record it or anything. So, sorry about that. But uh, just wanted to to state that Roadhouse, cursed film. We had so many issues trying to record <laughs> that episode. So but, that's, a sign, that's a sign from God that never to touch Wonder Woman 84. I guess so. That's another cursed one that we just won't even do. Um, we're back this week with another uh, in our line of Red Hot 80s action summer films. Uh, and again, the full title being Part 2, Heat Wave Edition. Got to get all that in there. Um I love how you remember to do that, but you can't remember fucking John Carpenter presents John Carpenter. I mean, John, a John, John Carpenter's. That's way. because I don't, uh, doesn't mean much to me to have his name plastered on the front of it. It does though. It matters enough to him that he's done it for like every film. Yeah, I guess it matters to him, but it doesn't matter to me. Although I, I do hear that he's, uh, potentially coming out of directing retirement, so. Maybe we'll see a new John Carpenter's movie pretty soon. John Carpenter's Halloween. John Carpenter's this retirement doesn't go as far as I thought it would. <laughs> John Carpenter's uh, Blumhouse gave me a, a script for Prince of Darkness, and I don't want them fucking it up. <laughs> I didn't see that happening. Yeah. Well, anyway, we're uh, yeah, we're continuing the '80s films, action films with uh. One that is pretty much the quintessential 80s uh, action cyborg movie of all time, really. Why Why you gotta preface it? What? With Man, a, it's just a quintessential... Speci- just, yeah, you it's don't a, have to get... You, it's you a quintessential give, action movie. Yeah, you don't have to give it the modifier. Well, people might be thinking that I'm talking about Terminator. Well, they're wrong. That's a slasher. <laughs> That's a slash. How about Terminator? Maybe they'll think I'm ter- talking about Terminator 2. <laughs> That's from the 90s, so shame on them. Maybe they're thinking I'm, I'm talking about Terminator 3. No one's ever seen that movie, <laughs> so it's okay. <laughs> yeah. 
Uh, only I have seen that movie more than five times because FX used to play it on like dinner and a movie <laughs> no, all thank the time. You. <laughs> I actually had it on DVD at one point, but I think I st- I still only watched it once. It was- had it on. I, I bought it, watched it. Was like, that's going back on the shelf. <laughs> Terminator with boobies? Nah, not yeah. enticing enough. <laughs> Skip. No, we are not talking about Terminator. We're talking about the 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 most prominent Paul Verhoeven movie. Would you say that? Would you say it's the 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 most recognized? Um. You know, it's it's tough because Paul Verhoeven does have such a eclectic he does. and catalog of in his filmography that a lot of the he's got a lot of films that are touch tone films that are very uh, very much part of the cultural zeitgeist. Uh, between you know this Total Recall, Basic Instinct, mm-hmm. Starship Troopers, he does. Hollow Man, yeah, he's got a quite a, quite a few. Um, probably, I, I would say probably RoboCop is his, which is what we're doing today. RoboCop <laughs> is probably very the lead there. <laughs> you had to add a modifier to yeah. it. So, you know, but I, I, I would say, yeah, probably RoboCop is probably the most recognizable Paul Verhoeven film, which is saying something because yeah. again, he, he's had such a. Pretty big, you know, from probably 1987 up into, you know, 2000. He was probably one of the best filmmakers going at the time. And I think it also depends on what, you know, like what genre you're talking about, too. Um, He kind of jumps into different, various different genres. You know, sci-fi, probably Total Recall. Um, Action, Robocop. And then you have, like, you know, your, your... various other films like starship troopers is kind of like a horror sci-fi satire so well i I would say they're all sci-fi yeah and some they're all act they're all yeah well robocop starship troopers uh total recall that's all sci-fi it's all action there's a lot of action in all those films and they're all satires Mm -hmm. you know basic instinct would be the one that's you know that wouldn't follow that but Showgirls, that, that's a sci-fi film. <laughs> yeah. It's, a, it's, and, a, it's, a, it's, it's science fiction to figure out how bad the acting is in that film, but I think it's intentional. It's also uh, important to point out that Paul Verhoeven uh, routinely, especially back in the day, uh, w- would push the envelope for what the MPAA would allow. Because um, Showgirls got an NC-17. And they went with that. They were like, sure, let's run an NC-17. But back in the day, too, your films are getting uh, h- harder than an R. Your your producers are saying, "Go, you know, no, we can't, we can't shop that. You need to go back and cut it and give us an R rating. Uh, and that's what happened with RoboCop, too. RoboCop originally got an X rating from the NPAA due to its ultra-violent content. And ultimately, they went and cut a lot of some of the gorier scenes that the MPA said were just too much for this film. And we ended up with an R-rated film that was still pretty violent, 
but it definitely cut down on some of the the uh, ultra gore that uh, was a part of the film and its satire. And uh, it's kind of interesting if you read some of the information about the MPA cutting RoboCop, um, the filmmakers and Paul Verhoeven and the the writers really did not agree with the MPA actually cutting it because they felt that the over-the-top gore was really like adding on to the satire instead of uh, making it s- s- like so ridiculously violent that people couldn't watch it. It was actually so cartoonishly violent that people were, were kind of like laugh at it because it was so over the top. Um, and so like ridiculously um, obviously fake. And, and they thought that cutting some of that gore actually made the scenes, the scenes a little bit more, um, uh, I don't know. Um, visceral. Yeah. Visceral. Yeah. It's a good word. Visceral because they, they really got to cut out a lot of the cartoonishness of it. So, you know, in the scenes where Murphy's getting blown away and, you know, he's getting shot by shotgun blasts and there's, and we, and we should also preface this by saying we watched the director's cut, which is the X rated cut, um, which has been around for quite some time now. You know, they, they were able to assemble all of the elements from the director's cut and, and get it into one complete, uh, addition. Uh, we watched the director's cut, so we did see all the cartoonish elements. And uh, seeing Murphy get blown away and seeing his like arm get literally shot off in one scene, um, it does have a cartoonishness to it that, you know, is not necessarily realistic. It's it's um, it's not uh, you know just <clears throat> you know all happiness, but it's it's certainly not realistic where you would think like, oh yeah, that that really is going to happen. You know, Murphy's going to get shot twenty times with a shotgun. And uh, still be alive. Uh, so it's interesting how much uh, Paul Verhoeven pushed the MPA at the time. Now we don't really have that problem. You know, there's the, I mean, there's still movies that need to be cut a little bit, and that's generally due to like explicit sexuality and nudity. But we don't have as much of a problem with films getting like an unrated rating. People like love that now. That's like help us sell more DVDs and Blu-rays by getting an unrated cut so that we can put it out on a separate disc and then sell it that way instead of the R-rated version. Well, back in the day, now they just bundle it together. Yeah. Same thing with like, hey, you want to see the new Star Wars? Cool. Got a letterbox version and a three by four. You know, which one do you want? The TV adapted one or the letterbox one? that letterbox is very important because that's how the film was shot. So it may, you know, look tiny on your TV, but you get to see the full scope of the picture. Yeah. Or you can get widescreen, you Philistine. Personally, if you're not using laser discs, then you're a fool. The future is now. That's right. Oh, also important to note before we get into the movie proper, um, and pr- probably corresponds to you as well this film um was pretty robocop specifically was pretty notable for making the rounds on tv and did you catch robocop when it was on tv at, at some point when you were a kid i caught robocop two and three on tv okay 
Um, Robocop 3 regular, got played a lot. I, I did see that one on TV on, as well. On UPN, they used to play Robocop. Oh, yeah. Especially 3. They used to play all the time. Uh, no, Robocop I had to fetch on VHS. As I, I specifically kid. remember seeing uh, Robocop on, I think it was, was it UPN? Um, it, it was their, like, this is the movie of the week. And they would show, like, a specific movie on UPN. And I specifically remember Robocop being that one movie because I I very, very clearly remember seeing Murphy get blown to pieces at the beginning of the film. And that kind of stuck with me. I was like, holy shit! That happens? (laughs) After this this family-friendly movie, a nice episode of Monique. (laughs) Right, right, right. Um, But, but... The one thing about RoboCop that and why I wanted to bring that up is because it got a specific TV cut uh, where they had to go back and Bunch literally, <laughs> yeah, right, exactly. They had to literally like go back to the drawing board, grab unused shots from like what they didn't use for like certain angles, and then splice them into the TV cut so that like when Murphy gets shot a bunch of times, we don't see like all of the bullets actually hitting. We see it from like different angles and we don't see his arm falling off. Um, so we got a specific TV cut and it also got additional scenes added to it. Um, for whatever reason, that was a thing that they did back then. And same thing goes for like Halloween and Halloween 2. They added additional scenes to the TV cut versions um, just because they could. Because they, I think they wanted to pad out the running time a little bit. Um, and same thing happened with Robocop. So if you saw it on TV, that was probably a different like version of the film than the true film is. That would actually be something I would I would love to see. Uh, well, pop in your, your no, no, Blu-ray no, no, I mean, or there. I it's mean, on there. film. I mean, filmmakers releasing TV versions of films like Brian De Palma presents Scarface, mm. made for USA Network. And so, like all, like so, like all, like the swearings out, like how'd you get that scar? Eating pineapple. <laughs> so the line of like eating pussy, it's pineapple, and so like, yeah, you think I get a scar like that? Eating pineapple. Yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah, so that's you that's like, pretty much like what RoboCop did, you know, basically. And actually, if you, uh, the 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 Blu-ray and the the 4K that recently released from Arrow Video, they have a, a booklet in that details the differences between like the TV cut and the, the actual theatrical cuts. And it does go into like the di- all the dialogue changes that they needed to do. It's pretty in depth. So interesting. Some, some poor fucker at standards and practices sitting there going like, I don't, what word do I use to make this make sense? Uh, pepperoni. Well, he'll say, holy pepperoni. <laughs> pepperoni. Yeah, that, that, that works with the lips. Yeah. Mama be no, I, I, well, especially like the eighties and nineties. They weren't concerned about the lip syncing. Hell, half the time they'd probably get somebody else to randomly say a word. Like, <laughs> hey, hey, speaking to my mic real quick, we gotta record this. What do you need me to say? Uh, well, he says here, holy fuck, but we need you to say like, Mamma Mia. <laughs> <laughs> like, am I giving my best Italian impression, or no? I'll just say it straight. <laughs> Mamma Mia. <laughs> it's like early anime dubbing. Yeah. Like, yeah. With like how like, or video game dubbing, like, you, you know, like think Resident Evil, like, oh, they're coming for him. 
Me? Run, Jill! It's great. I love it. I love the dubbing. Yeah, I, it's, I, whenever I watch these movies, too, I always feel bad because I never watch, like, the edited versions of them because I'm like, why bother? But, you know, at some point, I really do need to watch the TV version and just be like, yep, that was a thing are, we did. Those are the days. Yeah. That was the, those were the days where it would air as the movie of the week and you get, like, a little disclaimer at the front, like, we know this is violent for the kids, but we're going to air it anyways, and please use parental discretion. Listen, this isn't ABC's Friday with the Family, or whatever the hell it was called. What was it called? TGIF, man. Oh, okay. My bad. Thank Did God we... it's Friday. Did you know what's up? on? Boy Meets World. Then we've got uh, Family Matters c- coming up. Urkel comes over again. Can you believe it? And hanging with Mr. Cooper. And, do you know what? To be honest with you, I do have fond memories of that of those Fridays of just sitting sitting down and like, witness boy meets world. Well, you're a fucking loser. Boy right? I watched. We were watching Snick over at the Martin House, okay, <laughs> on Saturday nights. Snickelodeon. Sn- yeah, I watched Snick as well. I watched Snick, and I I very fondly remember going into my room. And the Are You Afraid of the Dark theme song comes on. Uh, and uh, that was when I transitioned from the living room to my bedroom. And I'd have to run through the living room and be like, get the fuck out of the, get out of the living room. It's dark in here. Who knows what could be waiting? <laughs> A Canadian horror show. Yeah. <laughs> it's the, the haunted cabbie. <laughs> uh, all right. That's you know what that's something we'll have to do for a Halloween one of these years. Uh, are you afraid of the dark? That would be fun. And are you afraid of the dark fest? Yeah. Break tradition of just doing movies and go back to the year one where we just decided that we we're gonna do anything. Well, you know, anything was fair game. Could always do that again. It was fun. Yeah, we'll have to we'll have to do that one at some point. We'll, we'll do an are you afraid of the dark marathon and we'll pick like pick like the favorites or something like that to do couple episodes yeah it'd be fun Pair all right pete and pete month we gotta move on though and our no, intro is like all over the place well you know what that's what you get here that's right scattered brain thought all right so some we... some people on the kids on twitch call it a stun lock <laughs> what they call it stun lock <laughs> yeah when you get off topic and you start rambling it's oh. called stun, stun i've lock. never heard that before no, I've heard it from one of the Twitch guys that I actually Good to know. Good to know. I'll have to... Uh, I may be wrong. Maybe I'm misusing it. Maybe you are. I'll have to put that in my vocabulary. <laughs> I've never heard that one before. Stunlock. Oh, man. I'm stunlocked. Off on die try. All right. So, we got a beer on the show here today. And this beer is... I'm confident in saying we've never had this style of beer on the show before. Because I've never had this style before. We've had this style on the podcast before. <laughs> yeah. Don't, so, don't, let, don't let the Cicerones fool you. So, uh, for specifically for the, um, the tie-in to the themes of RoboCop, uh, I went out and I got a beer from Industrial Arts Brewing, which may or may not be one that you've heard of before. It's... Um, it's a, a brewery that is down by Rockland County and uh, closer to New York City. And 
we've never had them on the show before that I know of. I think we've done a beer or two. You think so? Maybe. Maybe one or two. Maybe one? I can't remember. I know I've had a couple beers by them, but I've not had a lot. So it would surprise me if we did one specifically for the show, but maybe. Maybe we did. I can't remember now. Um, it's been eight years, for God's sakes. It's true. It, 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 it's definitely possible that it happened at one point or another. Um, but their main beer that they make and that we get quite a bit is Wrench, which is their IPA. But uh, this time I found in stores and it's been all the rage lately. It's been it's been the big thing that's been happening in the beer world. I found that they have a cold IPA and a cold IPA has been around for about, you know, maybe six months or so. It's become like a bigger style. And of course, around here in our small rural area, uh, we're like the last to get things. But cold IPA has been making its rounds and industrial arts does make a cold IPA. In it's fact, called. I was, was going to say, in fact, uh, I'm sorry to cut you off. Uh, the brewery that we wanted to have today on the podcast, Founders, because they're based in Michigan, uh, their cold IPA doesn't actually come out until next month, so mm-hmm. that they've been advertising relentlessly on Facebook. So shame on them. Yeah, and I did look for a Founders beer, and all they really had were. Stouts and porters and... Um, well, we've had most of our stuff already. So. Well, they had like the uh, Backwoods Bastard and they had like, which is a Scotch Wee Heavy, but it was not something that I was feeling like today. So maybe that's something that we'll have on the show like In during a yeah, fall or winter <laughs> month, but it wasn't something I wanted today. So I skipped over those. Uh, there wasn't anything from Founders that really interested me and we've done a lot of it already. So I didn't go with them, and I looked for New Holland as well because that's another Michigan beer. Um, but we don't get those around here. Like we get a very limited amount of New Holland, and it's almost always the Dragon's Milk, uh, and that's all they had. They had the Dragon's Milk and Dragon's Milk Reserve. We've both had both of those, so I didn't really think it was worthwhile I to get even, those either. The, the, the one like with the vanilla and rye, I haven't even cracked that open yet. That's oh, still sitting yep, sitting so. on my. All those like stouts that we got from our friend like three six months ago, they've been sitting on my well, kitchen you're counter. Coming up, they're coming around to it again, so you can certainly start cracking them around winter time. <clears throat> well, because I, our friend's a fucking moron sometimes. Oh, it's, it's, it's late spring, so it's eighty degrees out. You know what? I'm gonna get my friends here some Russian imperial stouts. Fuck you. <laughs> get us something enjoyable, something drinkable. I don't need a beer cellar, thank you. I don't need a cinnamon roll imperial IPA, I mean imperial stout in July. It's the last thing on my fucking mind. Agreed. I am that way as well, but to each their own. If you get stouts in the summer, who, who cares? You like them. No, em. fuck you. No, fuck you. Yeah, you're one of those, you're one of those assholes. You're the, you're the stout exclusive. Like, I only drink stouts because they're, that's what a beer is. Motor oil. <laughs> Like, I love, like, there's, like, one stout I can think of at the top of my head I could have any day of the year, and that's a Founders Breakfast Stout, because it's that damn good, and that damn delightful. Other than that, most of them don't. Take your Goose Island barrel ages and piss off. I'll see you in December. Thank you very much. End rant. Well, so the beer that we have here from Industrial Arts is called Week 312. It is their cold IPA. Uh, I'm assuming it's fairly new since cold IPA has been a pretty big trend lately. 
And uh, they call it a lager brewed with Nelson Sovin, Motuka, and Galaxy Hops. So the interesting thing about cold IPAs is that they are um, extremely similar to an IPL and the fact that they use lager yeast in their brewing process um, instead of the traditional ale process. Um, however, with a cold IPA, the idea is that they're technically brewing the IPA uh, at a higher temperature than a normal lager. So that's what is supposed to set it apart from an IPL. Um, I think all the breweries have sort of like their own, even though that's like the standard idea of what a cold IPA is, I think all the breweries kind of do have their own definitions of what they're considering a cold IPA. Interestingly, from industrial arts they're calling this a cold ipa implying with the ipa that it's an ale and then they're calling it a lager which is a little bit confusing to me um but ultimately these are are pretty similar to what you're going to get from an ipl except for the process in which they're brewed for the most part um now with that said you're probably thinking, is there a big difference between how an IPA tastes versus how an IPL tastes versus how the cold IPA tastes? Um, I would say yes. There is a difference between how an IPA tastes and what the cold IPA tastes like. Um, with an IPL, I also think that there is a subtle difference between the two. Um, IPLs tend to taste very lager-like um, with a very high amount of hops. The cold IPA, specifically from Industrial Arts here, the week 312, um, has a very floral West Coast style IPA hop to it uh, without the significant maltiness that a West Coast IPA would generally have. Um, and that's because of the lager yeast. So it's, it's definitely malted down a little bit. It's a lot um, lighter than a regular IPA. And what you end up getting from that is a lot of floral hops at the forefront of the beer. Uh, it's very um, hoppy, very citrusy, but not in this not in the same citrus sense as a hazy IPA, and it's certainly not hazy in color either. Um, but it does have a nice like lemony, zesty citrus to it, and ultimately, I think it's a really, really easy drinkable beer, but still really high in alcohol content. At and this one is seven percent, which is traditionally not this not what you would expect from like a pilsner lager. Uh, what do you think? about the cold IPA, Martin. Yeah, you hit the hammer on the nail there. I enjoy it a lot. I do like IPLs quite a bit. I think it's a, a style that has been underutilized. It's a style that we've seen done a couple of times. Um, I think the idea, like, I get, like, what they're going for with the cold IPA. It's a little bit more nuanced. It's supposed to, instead of just being like a, IPA where they change like the yeast into it, like we're I mean, I'm sorry with an IPL where they're just changing the yeast from an IPA yeast to a lager yeast, so it basically has all the characteristics of an IPA, but it's a little bit you know more sessionable, a little bit more drinkable, a little less body. Um, I get that it's not as nuanced here with them, you know, using like IPA. I mean, using lager malts in the yeast and kind of changing the process up it does make for a very good beer i kind of wish instead of and this is me being bitchy instead of being like oh it's a cold ipa just it's an ipl it's just like a different way to make an ipl i i 
think like the whole cold IPA name is kind of. And this is kind of where I was at when back when like Nipahs were starting to become a big thing. Where you have everybody trying to throw out their own fucking name for a Nipah. Is it a Nipah? No, no, it's a juicy IPA. Is it a Nipah? No, no, it's a hazy IPA. Just pick a fucking nomenclature. Stick to it. Other than that, though, this is a very good beer. It's, as you said, got the nice, zesty, piney, lemony, West Coast IPA hoppiness to it. But with the lager malts and the lager yeast and the process, it makes for a very light, you know, light-bodied, silky smooth, pilsner-esque beer, easy to drink. <clears throat> I think the fact too that it's also above six percent alcohol, which most you know lagers are in the range of four to six percent ABV, with it being seven percent, it's definitely I wouldn't you know, it's not you know lager that aspect, but. It's de- this is definitely a very good beer. I can definitely see, you know, why I like the style. Like, to kind of compare it to, like, a kind of like a weak IPL that I always remember is, like, Yingling, when they did, like, an IPL for, like, a year. Like, it was like, oh, they added hops to, like, a lager. That's cool. Wasn't anything, like, outstanding, but, like, you could see the merit of the idea. And so I'm, I'm definitely going to be more interested in seeing cold IPAs develop as a style. Maybe, you know, going to fall out of favor. But I would like to see, you know, different brewers kind of give a different spin to it. But I think the, the whole cold IPA name, nomenclature, that's a fucking terrible name. Just call it an IPL. Mm-hmm. Stop trying to bougie it up. The other thing that I really get from this beer, too, is when you crack one open, the floral hop aroma to it it's very strong i don't know and like i said like we've never had cold ipas before so this is our first time with a specific cold ipa um i don't know if other cold ipas have this as well which i would doubt but the industrial arts one has a very very significant floral hop aroma to it when you crack it open it's very nice it very um immediately you're bombarded with the hop flavors and i think that's a great way to have an, an open can. And, and one other thing that I would say too about the cold IPA, even even if it does somewhat mimic an IPL and you you um, question the categorization of a cold IPA versus an IPL and, and the moniker, um, I do think that it is an interesting new, um, or at least not new, but a nice change of pace from all of the hazies that we're currently getting. Um, I would, I definitely... If I were to be honest about the haze craze, I think that we should probably try to start pivoting away from constantly making new hazies. I think that the cold IPA is a refreshing, different IPA flavor that I would like to see uh, more brewers go for. Which we're starting to see, too, with Fidens, you know, our local world-renowned top brand IPA maker. Uh, they're starting to pump out some West Coast IPAs. Mm-hmm. Yep, transitioning yeah. out of the haze stuff, and I, I mean I, I, that's fine. Like I, there is a time and place for a haze, but not everything needs to be hazy. And I like that the cold IPA is sort of trying to transition away from having everything be a juice bomb cluster. Well, you know what? You better go and apologize to Sloop right now, because that, yeah, that's no. all. That's that's all they do. 
Well, like, they do, do a mean, couple what, other things. What too. do you mean? What do you mean we can't re-release the same beer but with a different label on it? I'd like to see their take on the cold IPA. I would like to see their take on a brewed IPA. Bring back that style, mm. champagne of IPAs. That was uh, another thing that was mentioned uh, during the cold IPA, like uh, articles that I've read. Is that That's like uh, a brew? Yeah, the brew was another attempt at like trying to transition out of hazies that never caught on. Who would know? Who would have thought that you know people who are attracted to juice bombs were not going to be so attracted to <laughs> champagne-like beers? Dry, <laughs> yeah, dry know? champagne-like beers. Who knew? Who knew? I, you know, I do miss. Honestly, I think out of all the IPAs, like that, they kind of like kind of tinkered with. I'm kind of glad to see kind of died to death as soon as it came out with the black IPA. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> like they're okay, but like I, I. You know, I never was never anything that I'd be like, I gotta have one of those. Mm-hmm. I'm still waiting for where's the white IPA? Where's my Belgian style IPA? It's not being made that much. Well, it should be because it's, it's the pinnacle. Mm-hmm. It's in the beer book that I have for top uh, white IPAs the Saranac White IPA. Which hasn't been made in like a fucking decade. It's good stuff. Sad. 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 Alright, so let's transition out of the industrial arts beer <laughs> and into Robocop. Uh, into a industrial hellscape of Detroit. Circa the future. Or in this near case, future. probably near the past now. But, <laughs> but the near future uh, in which the police force has been privatized. By a evil corporation called the Omni um, Consumer <sighs> Omni Corp. Omni Products Corp. or whatever they call yeah. it, uh, OCP, Omnicorp. Omnicorp. and uh, they've basically been assembling a police force that does their bidding, and they've wanted to create a basically a uh, robot police force that can police without the danger to police uh humans so they've created a i was gonna say let's let's be fair now to omnicorp they didn't just get a whole they just didn't become the police force government gave control yeah the government was like yeah here you go here we'll sign this contract sure (laughs) and they you know they they use this contract to create a uh police robot basically it's called the ed 209 and that Ed 209 prototype fails spectacularly. Um, and in the, like I said, we watched the director's cut for this one. In the director's cut, there's a, an amazing scene that gets kind of cut a little bit in the uh, theatrical cut where the Ed 209 goes on the fritz and they had a volunteer uh, from the board basically step up and be like, here, you hold this gun in front of him and let's see I what happens. It. Hold on, I love that. It's not even just a... It's a fucking Desert Eagle. So he's got this big fucking unwieldy, <laughs> you know... Yeah. Pistol, like, you know, that like... Like, oh, I use it in Call of Duty because it's so big and badass, you know. Yeah, it's and, my one-tapper. <laughs> oh, hold on, set it down. Okay, you got 20 seconds to comply. Well, I did it. And then 15 seconds... Oh, what's going on here? 
<laughs> and then I love how he's trying to run behind <laughs> yeah, people. Yeah, behind other people. <laughs> and, yeah. and they're just like, fuck you, buddy. <laughs> yeah, they're pushing him out of the way. They push him into like a – so that everybody runs away from him. All the all the women in the room are screaming. And, uh, yeah, eventually the, the Ed does what it's supposed to do to criminals, just blow them away. And I, do you, I, I think I think uh, the satire of this film got lost on a whole generation of people. Mm-hmm. I, I think uh, police departments saw this and they took notes. <laughs> Guy's got a parking ticket. <laughs> that's a great idea. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that, and that's that's a thing. And I I wrote a review for Cold Exploitation just uh, not too long ago, <clears throat> and um, that's what I talked about a little bit. You know, it's it's RoboCop is not really far removed from what we've seen currently. In the police force, it's it's certainly still very militarized. It's, you know, we've seen that happen in multiple contexts from the Black Lives Matter movement uh, with, you know, riot patrol to, um, you know, what we saw at the, uh, you know, the January 6th insurrection of, you know, the corruption in the police force. we still have the same problems that RoboCop is talking about. Uh, RoboCop is coming from a, pers- uh, in a specifically 80s perspective of Reagan politics. But it's really not far removed from what we have now. Um, and I find that really interesting because this film is uh, now f- like 35 years old. And we still didn't... timely. <laughs> yeah, we, we didn't go very far. Um, because the film is really... It is a there. It's a satire of the police force being privatized and what that means, and you know what um, unchecked militaristic control in the police can do. And not, I would say not only that, mainly the thrust behind that though is the corporatism being unchecked. Yep. And then also too, you have you know the the 24 seven news cycle, which this film does so much more brilliantly than that fucking remake does <laughs> of like, yes, it's 2012 Fox news. Bad. Question mark? <laughs> yeah. Like, it's yeah, like, yeah. yeah. We, it's like, we know like, it's like done so much more tastefully and smart. And like, you know, the, um, seamless the way it and obviously that came way later but the way that they do the all the like broadcasts and the commercials and stuff was aped very well by the um wnuf halloween special um because they did a, a a very good job of basically capturing the same elements um for their special in that movie as robocop has done here uh which is adhere to some very specific tropes of the time period. Um, and not only that, but um, use like the ideas of like advertisement titillation and um, just like ridiculous misogyny within the, it's, it's a, uh, you know, like cutaways as well. Cause there's Bigger's that better. What's that? Bigger is always better. Yeah. There's that great, uh, uh, uh whatever that is like what is it like a it's like a tv show or whatever where the two women are with that with the guy he's like i'd buy that for a dollar the co- <laughs> and you know you just have that great like everybody's addicted to that like sexual titillation on tv it's great um 
Ro- like RoboCop does a really good job with the satirization, but you're right. I do think that um, it is somewhat. I was going to say it's, say, it's uh, Binks, Bixby Snyder. There you go. Bixby Snyder. Yeah. But but I, I think make sure I, I was saying I just wanted to make sure I spe- spelled his name right because when I was like spelling it into Google because I knew it was Bixby I was getting Binksy from fucking Hocus Pocus. Mm. Yeah, but I think like RoboCop does a really does a good job of the satirization where um, it is not explicit. You know, like it's not like beating you over the head with it. But it, you're right. At the same time, I do feel like a lot of people did miss the point of RoboCop entirely. Um, and it's kind of lost on them, it's, which is amazing. And that's that's it's the honestly, idea. It's honestly amazing. It'd be like watching Starship Troopers now. If you're like, wait, they're anti-fascists. Yeah. Oh, I thought I th- thought fascism good. Like, <laughs> and that's the thing too, like about um, the violence in the movie that they were talking about is that like that's that first scene where you have Ed Two Hundred Nine blowing that guy away, and especially in the director's cut where he gets literally like just. Mutilated, just turned to pulp. Yeah, turned to pulp. it's like it is ridiculous because the squibs are just. Um, it's not realistic at all, and you're you're meant to see it as like so ridiculous in this in this setup because later on you have like Dan O'Hurley who plays the the old man, the the guy who runs Omnicore, and he doesn't really get a name. Um, and he's just like he just he just like meets with the guys the the programmers of the the android and he's like i'm so disappointed it's just like this man was just murdered no 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 it's not just disappointing he's like we're gonna lose millions of dollars because of you 50 million dollars because of you in interest payments alone because you fucked this up yeah it's great it's great never mind the man and then after that when fucking bob morton played by uh miguel ferrer shows up he's like we have a contingency plan to this he's called robocop he's like (laughs) sounds great can you get it to me in 20 minutes with your team? Sure can. And he's everyone's looking at him like, oh. And he's like, I saw a point and I jumped in. That's what it's all about. Because, you know, that corporate world. You got to yeah. take it, you know. It's great. Be, it. Because, the yeah, RoboCop shows us, like, the, the ugliness of the, the corporate world. And, and Bob Morton is the perfect example of that, uh, of a guy who has to get ugly to make it anywhere in the executive corporate world. And there's that scene where they go into the bathroom and he's talking about um, Dick Jones, who is his, like basically the the number two in command at Omnicore. And he's saying, like, he's a pussy. He's just, I was say the guy that commissioned the Ed Bot. Yeah. You know. He's saying, like, he's a pussy. He doesn't know what he's doing. They're like, we got RoboCop. We're, it, it, ours is the greatest. And then he's in the, the stall. And he taking comes his out. Shit. Yeah, taking his shit. He comes out and everybody <laughs> runs away. And he, he stands the one up. Guy's, Say the one guy even unzips his fly up before he's done pissing, pisses yeah. his pants a bit, and runs off. Yeah. <laughs> it's great though because it shows you like the 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 corporate atmosphere that is so uh, reviled by didn't you like by Paul Verhoeven. Didn't you like the stock tickers above the the urinals too? Oh yeah. How, how like can the, you how can you piss in peace without knowing where your stock's like, at at every waking at minute? The, at the at the Dow Jones, like. Now you don't need stock tickers anymore. You got the stock ticker right on your phone. You just hold that open while you're peeing. Or taking a shit. Mm-hmm. But the I say the opening is, you know, very good. Like, again, like, we get the nice, you know, news broadcast, which, again, is very seamless. And, you know, again, it very 
Right, you know, feels you can feel today of it with the twenty four seven news cycle with them saying like every three minutes you want to know the news, we know the news, and then you're seeing like <laughs> you know, you know, all this ridiculous shit like the whole Star Wars thing, which people don't remember, probably remember that the idea of Star Wars was something Reagan pitched back in like eighty two or something or eighty three. Like we're gonna have a satellite system called Star Wars, and it's gonna be able to shoot laser beams down take any potential soviet nuke out if they were ever to launch a nuclear missile and they put it in the fucking film because it's such a fucking stupid ridiculous <laughs> idea like you know, like so it's like you know it's hilarious and then like all all the news is nothing but like what we see in the news today there's no like and little timmy today went out and you know ran a lemonade stand and served the community it's well, we're involved in this conflict, and we're involved in this conflict, and uh, this cop was killed, and this cop was killed, and uh, how are we doing? Not so good. Here's the commercial for you. It's all very seamless, and you know works really well, and it's really good. Yeah, I I think they do a really good job with all that satirization, and that's that's kind of like what RoboCop is known for. Beside the action, is is the the different ads that it has in it. It's just. A really great you know in the news cycle that it has it's it's very uh prescient as well uh of what we what was to come with the media cycle and how bombarded we are with constant media and now like you said with the new robocop that's that kind of like almost um they weren't trying when they did it yeah that's yeah it's, it's, it's almost like because again, again by 20 even by 2012 standards being like Fox News bad isn't a fucking, it's not a... A revelation? It's not a revelation. Like, by then, it's like, yeah, we know. We get it. And Mm -hmm. then the whole tying it into Iraq and Afghanistan is a nice modern point, but it was done so haphazardly, you know, with uh, kind of the, you know, the Edbots kind of being more like drones Mm -hmm. and, you know, being like drone strikes very fertile ground for satire and commentary incredibly piss poorly done the other thing that robocop does that we see in a lot of other films from the 80s is specifically the vigilante films of the 80s uh which were proliferating at the uh, you know around like the the earlier to mid 80s um is the fact that it plays off of the public fear of cities and the crime uh that's endemic to those cities uh, i think specifically this, detroit i think i say i think this film alone killed detroit's reputation <laughs> yeah right because to this day you still hear people say don't go to detroit it's yeah. a crime ridden asshole and it's like they got detroit style pizza founders beer and the tigers comerica park's supposed to be lovely i think <laughs> I, I think i'll go yeah no but it, it did play up that idea it's kind of like which, the same thing that new york which, city had too which in the seventies, yeah, no. But fun thing to say too about going off that. I was uh, talking to my uh, college roommate uh, the other day. He was saying how he's going to Chicago and how his parents uh, were saying, "Be careful, you might get shot down there." And he's like, had to tell his kids, like, "No, we won't get shot down. There. You don't have to worry about anything." Right. <laughs> you know, because yeah, th- this film kind of satirizes that too. It plays up the fear. That you know the crime is just, cr- criminals are just running rampant in Detroit, and it shows that old old Detroit, right? Old it, Detroit. It shows that, but then it also shows that hey, those same criminals that are running rampant are actually being funded by Omnicore. Mm. 
You know, it's like the side business that Omnicore has at the same time that they are creating androids and, and robo- robots that will become part of the police force. Because how can you – you can't fund the police force and privatize <laughs> if have, it if you don't have crime. Or people to keep, you know – which is kind of go that kind of goes with modern day uh, broken windows policing. I don't know if, if you know what that is, but broken windows policing is basically like this is done especially in New York City during like uh, Giuliani and Bloomberg's tenure as mayor. You go down to neighborhoods where there's high crime and you look for crime because well, there's already you know broken windows. Mm-hmm. So like you know you're all right. You're just going to you know basically going to look. You're looking for trouble instead of you know trying to actually do something. Yeah, and that's you know that that's basically what they're doing here. You know, th- Dick Jones is on the one hand creating a, a robot like Ed Two Hundred Nine that's going to take on the police force, and then you also have on the other hand he's paying uh, Kurtwood Smith's character Clarence Boddicker and his um, group of you know criminals to do his dirty business, like um, take out Bob Morton because he's pissed at him for you know basically disrespecting the company. Yes disrespecting the company can't have that exactly and and so you you have that irony of the corruption in the corporation and ultimately systemically the government and the police force being one in the same um it is a nice satire of you know taking on the the criminal element the war on crime um that you get in robocop we haven't even talked about robocop specifically Robocop as a character, Alex Murphy, played by Peter Willer. Uh, Bless you. Willer? No, I didn't say Willer. I I know it did (laughs) come out like that, but I I said it weird. Peter Peter Weller. I know it did probably sound like Willer, but I truly in my head did not say Willer. (laughs) You... You were you were hoping somebody wouldn't hear that right now, and yeah, it did. It did. It did come out weird. It must have been how I rolled my tongue or something. But yeah, Peter Peter Weller. Um, like, so what I was saying is like, Peter Weller has a particularly shitty bad first day, right? Because his it's his first day transferring over to this new precinct. Gets a new partner. Name's Lewis, played by Nancy Allen. Uh, who has just finished kickboxing a, a criminal in the the precinct before they go out on their uh, you know drive around? It's his first day doing this, and all of a sudden they encounter the Boddicker and his gang, and they track him down to an abandoned warehouse. Which, of course, if we know in true '80s fashion, every place in an '80s movie has you know 18 different abandoned warehouses that criminal elements like to hang out in. Um, in this case, it kind of makes sense in, like, the bummed-out old Detroit. Uh, but he tracks him there, and Lewis makes the decision that they are going to go in and try to take on this gang, and he gets blown away in the first, you know, first day on the job. It's a pretty bad day. <clears throat> Opposite of Ice Cube's today was a good day. Right, exactly, exactly. And I, bl- I specifically blame Lewis for this because he gives her the option. They, they pull up to the, the warehouse. They know they got to go into the line of duty. And he says, I'll let you make the call. Lewis says, let's go in. We're going in without backup. It's fucking her fault. Murphy gets blown away. Well, they had a cup of coffee together. It was so 
you know, so nice. They sh- yeah, they share. They're already bonded as partners. In that first moment. What do you think about that scene where Murphy goes in and and gets shot up like Swiss cheese? Well, it's also his fault too because uh, stolen money ain't worth you know running in on like seven guys by yourself, mm-hmm. even if you are a cop. Agreed. They probably would have told him hold back, but uh, they didn't. He went in. If I remember correctly, from the reboot to kind of fix that, they made it, like didn't they make it like a setup on Murphy? I don't even remember. Tried to. I think they uh, tried to block out. that out. Yeah. Yeah, I think I think they made it like a setup, like the car bombing setup, because they already be. had like they had the RoboCop thing in plan, so they wanted to get a candidate. So right, because like when you watch RoboCop, you're kind of thinking like this is a dumb plan. Like clearly they went to the warehouse for a reason to get you know. It's cover for them, and so Which, you don't just go in without backup. Yeah, so like I, so like, were they told not to send backup? Obviously, Boddicker wouldn't bet on because he was, you know, working for Dick Jones, not uh, Bob Morton. So I mean, like, were they just hoping for some stupid cop to do something foolish and get blown away by Boddicker, who's already killed thirty-two cops at this point? I, I don't know. But I mean, it's not—it's not that big of a plot hole. But I mean, it is a fun little bit, though, watching you know him get captured and oh, Boddicker's boons goons sit there with fucking shotguns, and just blow, <laughs> blow him away, you know, and and then after you know, getting shot repeatedly, Kurtwood Smith just fucking plugs him in the head, and that's it. Game over. Yeah. And then poor RoboCop Murphy wakes up with CRTV vision. <laughs> it's, it's true. It's true. If, if, if there's one thing for him to be pissed off about that has not aged well, woof. That That's right. Two four that two forty P CRTV pixelation ain't He's like, gonna he, I when I when I went into the job this morning, I had perfect twenty twenty vision. <laughs> everything in full nice color. I come out of <laughs> I come out of surgery, it's fucking CRT vision. <laughs> Terrible. Got the lines and everything. Scan the, lines. The one thing everything. that I really love, too, is when they're uh, solder, like whatever they're doing, soldering or screwdriving on his helmet, and you have, like, the green grid on it, and they, <laughs> it comes in at you, and it keeps going, like, <laughs> but it doesn't like, look like pin- it's actually, like, legitimately being screwed on <laughs> the, yeah. pin, the pinnacle of technology like absolutely oh, he's got the green line so he can track things more yeah effectively yeah i do love <laughs> the uh the effects of the you know the the computer effects it's great but i mean like the whole like you know and then that whole surgery bit is really cool too because you know he's waking up and he's seeing what's going on Originally, the one doctor's like, oh, we saved his left arm. And they're like, well, if we want fucking all synthetic. And they're like, are you serious? And they're like, yeah, he, technically he's dead. He's got no rights. Cut his fucking arm off. We want synthetic. And they're like, okay. And then he wakes up again. Then it's fucking New Year's. And they're like, happy New Year. Oh, he's awake. Look at him. Oh, isn't this cool here? I'm going to give him a kiss. Yeah, it's it's. The rebirth of Murphy, and, he, you know, at, at first he's not really supposed to be sentient, right? He's just supposed to be a walking robot that does the police bidding. You can't kill executives of Omnicore. You can't 
you know, you can't kill criminals. You can only take them into custody as best that you can. And um, eventually, because he meets with Lewis again, he starts to remember his past and he starts to remember that he had a wife and a kid and, um, you know, that he had a life besides the fact the the one that he's been programmed to have, uh, which is an interesting concept of of having a rebirth moment where the programming is overridden by your actual um i was gonna say very similar very similar to uh total recall and uh blade runner yeah it is it it is the whole replicant idea it 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 pretty much is verhoven reprising a lot of the same ideas that he you know he will would do in later movies um you know about memory and recall and what that means what it means to have a human emotion like that um I think it's a, you know, it's an interesting element to RoboCop that it is about the rebirth of Murphy as a, as a person living in, in a Android cyborg body. Um, I think it does a good job with that. What do the you one th- I would say the one thing that's really funny throughout this film, which I will say, I think the remake does do well. It is funny to think about now a days with this film and he's supposed to be a high-tech robot he's fucking bombing around in a ford taurus <laughs> whereas in the remake they do what you would expect them to do give him like a fucking motorcycle and like a tricked out car here he's like oh what's he doing oh, i'm just gonna get a fucking i mean they had i don't think crown victorious at the time but like imagine him just like you know i'm getting in the fucking crown victoria i'm gonna track down crime let's go you know that's funny watching him. You know, he doesn't have his own special car, or motorcycle, or anything. <laughs> it's just, yeah, let me get in the Ford Taurus. Let's go. <laughs> Taking the kids to soccer soccer practice after. <laughs> the film does make use of some uh, particularly, like, you know, what high tech equipment. So they've got that those like guns that shoot basically like anti tank missiles. With no recoil. <laughs> yeah, they just, just, just whatever. Fire away. Yeah. The one guy fucking fires from like his balls just sitting there, you know. Yeah, Which I that know. whole scene, that whole scene's hilarious too and fucking, they're breaking, uh, the one guy out of, a bot, you know, Kurtwood Smith's breaking the one guy out of prisoner, uh, prison, the Gray Bar Hotel as they call it. And the one guy shows up like, hey, I found this sucks 6,000. Isn't it great? Just like yours, Clarence. He's like, yeah, yeah. And he goes, takes the anti-tank thing out. I'm like, what are you going to do? And he just shoots it. And he's like, fuck you. And he's like, it ain't your car anymore. <laughs> <laughs> Which is awesome. It's such Blows a dick it thing. Just such a dick thing to do, but it's like fucking hilarious. <laughs> like... I know. It's great. So, uh, wh- what do you think about the uh, the action in RoboCop? Because it does have quite a bit of, like we said, it has some ultra violence, especially in the director's cut. Has uh, quite a bit of explosions and you know, and the anti tank rifles and stuff like that. Uh, how do you think they do with the uh, the action in this movie? Action is great. It's fun. A lot of fun. Uh, watching, you know, M- Murphy track down villains is pretty fun you know uh watching him show up to the excuse me sorry about that uh to the convenience store and like you know taking the guy out there that's pretty fun watching him show up to the rape (laughs) 
which the action part of that's not like fun but like just like the satirical nature of like that whole scene of like where the girl is going to get raped and he shoots the guy in the balls by you know because he's got he's a robot so he's got perfect aim and like shoots her through her dress where you know he knows her legs aren't going to be so he shoots him in the balls and then she's like oh you saved me and then he's like you've been a victim of rape which is very stressful. I can refer you to counseling. <laughs> yeah, right. It's so, like, just cold and, like, you know, ridiculous. And I'm sure how we still today treat, you know, rape victims because most rapes don't even get investigated. Most rape kits aren't even looked at. So, like, it's funny. Like, like the, the obviously the rape's not funny. But, like, just, like, how, like, cold and callous this protector of the streets you know truly is when he's functioning as intended is it's hilarious you know makes for good comedy but besides that like the whole the end showdown is really great at the steel mill um watching the you know kurtwood smith and his gang just fucking firing those anti-tank uh rifles off the one guy driving hit the fucking van into a toxic waste canister which is just hilarious that there's just a toxic waste canister labeled toxic waste just lying around and then he gets you know melted into this Cronenberg monster is awesome and then watching him lumber around until he eventually gets fucking mowed down by Kurtwood Smith's car is great it's absolutely great and like it's great body horror too yeah, awesome. they did a really good job with the the effects on that one. You know, it's it, it is great body horror, and it kind of comes out of nowhere too. You know, because you're not really expecting something like that in this movie. This, no, because it's very much just explosions and guns and you know squibs. Mm-hmm. And there you get like like I said, like Cronenberg esque level of like, oh my god, like, like what the hell is that? It's just it's great though. Like you know, I also think we got to talk about how good of a job um, Miguel Ferrer does as. Uh, bob morton which is he like as a smarmy executive he does he does a perfect job of of pulling that off there's that one scene where he's got the two women in his uh, apartment and uh, they're doing cocaine off of the table and basically just you know getting ready to have a threesome and then Kurt, uh, kurtwood smith barges in <laughs> bitches bitches leave, leave. <laughs> it's great it's amazing it's an amazing <laughs> moment but I think like Bob Morton does a really good job of being like that smarmy uh, executive. He, yeah, he's no really friend. It off. Don't don't let like you know don't let him fool you. He's no friend of the film. Oh yeah. Not only that, I think his character is like the inspiration of Eric and Billy Madison. Like you know the guy that Billy Madison's like you know fighting against. Yeah. Like he's got that same smarmy like you know I'm gonna beat you <laughs> and you know kind of attitude. It's awesome. Um, everyone in this film is really good. Peter Weller, I think, is probably the the greatest unsung hero in this film. Because as human Alex Murphy, he does a great job. He's mm-hmm. The few minutes that he actually gets to portray Alex Murphy as an actual person, he's great. Yeah, very he's, charismatic, yep. He's very charismatic. Like, it's kind of surprising, like, he hasn't, like had, like, an extensive, like, action career after this, because he's a very charismatic human being, and somebody that is not, like, imposing, but, like, you know, somebody you take as a serious threat, and he's, you know, very great. And then, 
when he becomes RoboCop, his movement, the way he plays RoboCop is great. He's, you know, got like the robotic, you know, movement down, the mannerisms, the talking. He's very believable. And then as he slowly starts to refine himself as, you know, Murphy and become slightly, you know, gaining slightly more of his humanity back. He does a terrific job at it, and I think he's easily the most unsung hero in all this film. Yeah, and it's kind of he kind of pulls off the same thing that would later happen with you know um, the Mandalorian, where you have a character that is pretty much hidden with their face for most of the runtime of the show or the movie, uh, but still able to to come off as charismatic. And I think that you know that's kind of started here with RoboCop. Peter Weller does a really good job of um, first being very you know very likable. As, as, you know, Alex Murphy moving into RoboCop, who is supposed to have no emotion, completely, you know, shut down. Um, and then, again, moving back into finding himself as Murphy, uh, as RoboCop, and kind of having to do a combination of, you know, who he once was and then who he kind of is now because of his cyborg nature. He does a really good job with that. Um. How what how do you feel about the uh, the iconic and well, I guess now iconic um, RoboCop music? You know, to be honest with you, um, it's more understated than I remember it being. Mm-hmm. It's been a couple of years since I've seen it. The film really, at least in my mind, only really sticks out like uh, RoboCop's theme is like when we get to kind of see like these triumphant moments. But for the most part, it's pretty understated. Mm-hmm. Like, uh, very small, quiet for the most part, I, but like when it, when it is used, it like very, you know, quiet, you know, synth tones. I think it comes well, up a lot more in, in Robocop 3. Like, I think they use it all the time in Robocop 3 as like, you know, the, the, uh, specific Robocop theme music. So maybe that's why you tend to think like it was used more than it truly was because you're thinking of Robocop 3. Mm-hmm. Which I agree with. But I mean, it is good. It is good. But it's much more uh, subtle than what I was expecting mm-hmm. from this film. What do you think of Kurtwood Smith? I think he does a really good job. He is in, um, I don't know, he's he's not like your normal henchman character. Uh, he, is, he has like a personality to him that, that kind of does not come off the same as like the the usual uh lead bad guy that who is like driven by whatever he's driven by like Boddicker in the film almost has like no drive really he's just like does whatever he wants to do uh, which he's is mayhem, he's mayhem incarnate that's right yeah and and you know that's that's kind of different um from some of the other villains of the, the 80s movies um you know like Gruber from Die Hard, who is driven, he's driven, he has a specific goal in mind. So he's very driven in a specific regard. Whereas Boddicker is really not driven by anything and to some extent makes his own decisions. Because we see that in the film when Jones, Dick Jones is like saying, Oh, you've got to help me out with this problem too. You know, we've got to we've got to blow up Robocop. And he's like, That's not my problem. I don't I don't <laughs> give a shit what happens to that whatever 
you know. And then basically Dick Jones offers him like a, a whole area of Detroit. And then that's when he's encouraged to do this thing. But but basically Boddicker makes his own decisions. And I think I like that a lot about the character and how Kurtwood Smith portrays it. Because he really has this aloof nature to him that, that comes off really well in RoboCop. Um, other than that, did, was there anything else that we didn't touch on that you wanted to, to go over? That might be about it. I mean, it, it's kind of a sacred cow of a film, which when usually the few times we have done a film like this, we've kind of already stated there's not really going to be much more that we can add to the film sure. that hasn't already been stated. <laughs> yeah, so. it's definitely become part of the canon of action movies for sure. One of the leads and, uh, you know, it, it's certainly for good reason. Um, it's a really fun movie uh, overall. But, yeah, there's not a lot more that we can add to it. So, on a scale of 0 to 10, Ed 209's falling down the stairs. <laughs> it's, like, such a pathetic which, scene. Which, it's, no, it's great, too, because it's so extended. Like, watching, yeah, like, 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 like a child, like, <laughs> like going the duck, going to a pool. Like, oh, it's cold. Like, what's cold? like, no one thought, like, how's it going to? Deal with stairs. Yeah. <laughs> well, and not only also, that, when it, when it falls down the stairs and it just makes a really pitiful, like, <laughs> and it's so weird, too, because it was like they, it was programmed to, like, make that sound when it fell over. It's crazy. Well, what if it falls ass over tea kettle? Well, it's not going to happen, but if it does, <laughs> program <we> this <laughs> sound to be made. Well, it's also weird, too, that the Ed, like, it growls like a cat, like, yeah, you know. Rawr. Well, speaking of, what a dumb idea, too. Oh, we're going to have these things patrol the streets. It's going to be your cops. How safe would you feel with the fucking lumbering around <laughs> Ed 29 walking around with chain guns on it, being like, you've illegally parked. You have 20 seconds to move your car before, you know, physical force. Like, would you feel safer in your neighborhood? Oh, yeah, yeah, for sure. <laughs> it's like just such a ridiculous idea, but I mean... Would you would you dare, but, I mean, dare you say that's the same idea of arming teachers in schools? No, it is. But I mean, like, I mean, like, it, like again, like this, the sat, like I said, like the satire is lost on people because, like, again, some people sat there and thought, like, you're right. We our cops need tanks. <laughs> we we do need more protection. We we you know, like you know, so I, I I get the satire, but like it's just if you sit there and think about it logically, it's like what a fucking stupid idea. No, I wouldn't feel safer with these goddamn cretinous bots lumbering about my streets. Even in the town of like fifteen thousand people I live in, I would not feel safer. I would rather you know deal with a criminal element mm. than having these things fucking trapes about the neighborhood and like. Gunned down some child because he jaywalked. But that's the America we live in today. So, that's know, right. Uh, you know, it's timely. I'll give this film out of ten pathetic Ed bots trying to go downstairs. I'll give it a nine and a half. Robocop's one of my favorite films of all time. It's a perfect action film. It's well paced. It's well acted. The action scenes are great. Paul Verhoeven delivers on the satire. It's delightful. Peter Weller is great and makes RoboCop iconic. 
Kurtwood Smith is such a delightfully smug, chaotic bastard in this. He's delightful. Miguel Ferrer, as you said, as Bob Morton, as a slot, you know, slimy '80s corporate exec, does a great job. Everyone in this film does a great job. The action is great. It's well paced. It's well thought out. The satire is smart. It's on point. It's still very poignant today and it's not like rub your nose in it like here's what you're fucking supposed to see it's it's on the nose but it's not like it's on the nose to where like you're like gonna have to think about it or it's too obvious it's great this is a great film nine and a half it's one of my favorite paul verhoeven films uh it's a toss-up on what one is my favorite but i think this it's great there's a reason why 35 years out it's still part of the cultural zeitgeist. Why we're getting a video game next year, which I can't wait to play, because I think regardless of whether or not that's actually good or not, I, I'm just kind of glad because to see RoboCop kind of come back because since 2014 with the remake, we haven't... It's, it's kind of disappeared with good reason. But I think as timely as it was during the 80s with Reagan, you know, with Reagan's policies, it's still timely today with the America that we live in today. And there's a lot to gleam from this film. So I'd say nine and a half. Yeah, I would, I would give this a nine. I think that it's a really fun movie. Uh, it's a great action movie, but it has a lot of great satire to it too. Uh, a lot of, uh, poking, uh, fun and criticism at the, uh, whole corporate nature of the Omnicorp corporation, um, I think that everybody does a really good job, uh, from everybody in the Omnicore, uh, to, uh, you know, Alex Murphy is Peter Weller's, uh, play portrayal of Alex Murphy and also Robocop himself. Um, and Nancy Allen does a really good job too, as Lewis and, uh, playing a strong female character, which is pretty interesting from a movie in the eighties, which, uh, for the most part often didn't have female characters except for, people for the uh main protagonist to sleep with so um where that's you know what nine you're right nine where's the sex between a robot and woman <laughs> that's right yeah we miss out on that part uh no but i think I, like other than that they did a really good job with everything else it has great uh special effects got great gore especially if you watch the director's cut um i think that those uh those elements to the director's cut where it's ultra violent really bring to light the satiricism of it instead of like the you know how the MPA took it as just like violence for the sake of it. It's obviously satirical um, to portray the violence in the, in its way. It's very um, unrealistic squib like, but it's uh, very fun to watch. So it re really reminds of like the, the other ultra violent horror films of the eighties, which kind of took things to their extreme. Um, in this case, the extremity wasn't in intentionally meant to be like gross out. It was meant to be, Oh, this is so ridiculous. Um, and I like that about Robocop. Uh, I think it's, you know, overall just a really entertaining movie. And there's a reason why it's still around and still super popular to this day. All right. So for next week, we have decided that we are going to do. Um, what did we decide? <laughs> what, what did we decide? Which one was it? Wow. Chuck Norris. Chuck Norris. Missing in action. Missing in action. That's what it was. Missing in action. Yeah. Should be a fun time. We did a Chuck Norris movie last year for 
uh, eight, Red Hot 80s Action Summer. And I miss it terribly. You had to have another one. You were just. Uh, I almost wanted to rewatch Invasion USA. Again. You should. You should rewatch it, but because it's so fucking stupid, but it's so fucking great. Uh, just... I will never. I will never forget Chuck being like, "You're gonna get hit so many lefts, you're not gonna know what's right." <laughs> you're just craving the Norris. <laughs> you and your mom. <laughs> Chuck and Norris. Makes me, it makes me think of the days of Conan when he used to have the Chuck Norris the Chuck, Yeah, the Chuck Norris. Pull it again. It's great. Uh, why are we having a walker marathon? You know what? I don't know if I could get through walker. You can, Well, no one can get through walker. It's so, it's it's ba- so cringy now. It's not, even, it's not even good bad. It's just bad bad. No, walker. No. I thought you were talking about the remake, Walker. Oh, no, I'm talking, about, I'm talking about Walker, Texas Ranger. That's what I'm talking about. It's so oh. bad. No, it's so good. It's UPN Gold. I don't know. How can you not like it? What do you mean it's cringy? It makes me cringe. What? I constantly have like a Native well, American around that Chuck he's Norris friends is with? fucking 82 years old. Yeah, he's old he's as shit. He's fucking 82 years old? Yeah, he's what old. What the fuck? I did not was, know that. He was winning karate championships <laughs> in the fucking 60s. Yeah, he's old. I did not realize he was that old. Yeah, he's old. Good lord. You don't look it, though. Good for him. Good for him. You know don't, what? Good for him. Don't you want to he- hear the dulcet ta- sound of when we start Walker, Texas Ranger Month? And then, in the eyes of the ranger, the unsuspecting stranger better know what's wrong from right. 82 years old. Man, good for him. I'm stuck on that. Well, may we all live to have such a hale and hearty life as Chuck Norris. (laughs) Well, we found out Kurtwood Smith's almost fucking 82. Yep, he's so, almost you know. eight, Yeah, he's 79 years old. Going strong in uh, that 90s show. Is that going to be like a Netflix thing or what? Mm, I'm not sure. It certainly looks like it could be one of those yeah. streaming service only things. Like, kind of like Fuller House, you know? Dig it in, dig it in, dig it Everywhere you look. Didn't everywhere. watch that, by the way. Well, who would? Full House sucks. My sister. <laughs> My sister loves Full House. Well, your sister's so cool. And we're, how can you do Full House anymore? You're missing Bob Saget, so. I thought you were going to say Lori, whatever her name in jail. No, she's lost. in Rich Person's Jail. She can still shoot film. <laughs> Are you kidding me? When you lost out there and paying to get your kid into a school that they didn't deserve to go to. <laughs> Everywhere you look. Whatever happened to Dave Coulier? Mm, probably just living the good life now. He was living the good life in the 90s when he was starring on Full House and dating Lance Morissette. And he's probably just That's... sick of uh, making mouth noises. <laughs> <laughs> I 
<laughs> I don't know why it's so funny. <laughs> he was on Worst uh, Cooks in America in 2020. Wasn't he on like a house uh, season of Surreal Life? Yes, he was. Yep. What a life. I went from full house to a season of Surreal Life. <laughs> I saw him, I saw it and it was on America's most talented kid. I thought it was America's most wanted at first. I was like, oh wow. He also made America's most wanted. <laughs> Whoops. No, not that one. Okay, so well, like, I thought I I thought he was on the same season of Surreal Life as Bronson Pinchot, but he wasn't. No. What season was Bronson Pinchot on? This is gonna haunt me now. I gotta look it up. I don't know why, but I used to watch the real season five. My bad. Season five, Bronson Pinchot was on. Speaking of, we thought about doing uh, Beverly Hills Cop, so we, we did. Could have had, could have had Bronson Pinchot. Thought about it, but you decided you want to do Missing in Action instead. Cause you know what? Enough people. Well, you. Oh God, you know what? Maybe we should have done uh, Beverly Hills Cop because that's got Judge Reinhold. <laughs> I know, right? It's a- Got a, got a glorious lineup. All right. Well, I can't believe you never. I can't believe you never seen. No. How, what was it like? What, what movie did you get Beverly Hills Cop three out of? Oh, it was uh, uh, it was uh, Jason Goes to Hell. <laughs> Jason, I bought Jason Goes to Hell from Fye. <laughs> got it home. Opened it up. Hey, look at that! Beverly Hills Cop threes in here. <laughs> uh. <laughs> Ne- never end up never ended up watching it either <laughs> yeah it was just yeah it was funny and i just kept it around I, like, oh, I don't know what to do with it we'll see we'll say that we'll say that dvd for the day oh my god beverly hills cop 3 came out in 94 eddie murphy was on hard times <laughs> yeah yeah that yeah, was, was funny yeah oh look at that <laughs> oh what's an FYE? <laughs> Alright, well, if you want to continue our Red Hot 80s Action Summer Part 2 Heat Wave Edition, you can subscribe to us on pretty much any podcasting app that you can think of. We're on Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, our home base at anchor.fm. Uh, subscribe to us on there, leave us a nice review. That always helps us out. We're on Facebook and Twitter. You can just search for us on there, Blood and Black Rum Podcast. We have an email address at bloodandblackrumpodcast at gmail.com. Write to us, let us know what you like, what you don't like, what you want to hear us cover uh, for movies. We'll take that into consideration. And we also have a, a donation page at patreon.com slash blood like rum podcast. You can donate to us and we'll put that money back towards beer uh, for the show. So thanks a lot in advance uh, for next week. We're doing uh, missing in action. You'll want to stay tuned for that. That's going to round out our uh, red hot 80s action summer. And then we're probably going to move directly into our Halloween season. So uh, you'll want to stay tuned for all of the stuff that we have on tap for you there. Um, should we? Are, did we decide on our Halloween season? Are, are we going like to do eight, what we talked it's, about? It's like eighty twenty because I okay. still have some kind of ideas running. You have some through, so. So, okay, so so it's possible what we talked about, and uh, there may be you know maybe some change ups to that. So uh, you'll definitely want to stay tuned for the the Halloween season though. We do episodes every single week through Halloween, so September and October we'll we'll probably put out like uh, what is that like eight episodes? So yeah, stay tuned. Seven eight. Yep. Uh, we might, you know what, maybe 
Maybe we're just going to do every Costas Mandalore film <laughs> that we haven't well, done that's not tied to We're going to have to do Halloween Ends as well, so just keep that, that in com- mind. Is that coming out this year? I think it's coming out this October. I have not seen any promotional shit for it. Yeah, I don't think we've. Uh, I don't think there has been any promotions as of yet. But I do think it's running this this uh, this October. Let's take a quick look because I'm intrigued. Halloween ends. Yep. Evil dies. I no, that's not true. Evil dies tonight. That was the last film. They lied. <laughs> Yeah, I think it's I think it's releasing uh, this October. Yeah, so, October fourteenth. Yep, yep. yep, week before my birthday. Yep. So we got that too. God, when when did Halloween Kills come out? Last year. Good lord! Oh my god, they sped that up. Well, well, because Halloween Kills got no, delayed, so this was kind of already. Yeah, yeah, because of COVID. No, but I mean, like, oh god. I can't believe it's been since 2018 since the. What a good film that was. I'm um. Yeah, listen. I'm both now. both interested and also Hasn't simultaneously it? have have low expectations for Halloween ends. I mean, after the first one being great, and the second one being total shit. Yeah, no, I <laughs> I would say I'm totally in that same boat too. Yeah. This is, I mean, the poster's cool. Poster's pretty cool, actually. But yep. yeah, I mean, it's. Let's see if they can cram in like Halloween Five, uh, Donald Pleasance in there. Oh, he's here. He's here. <laughs> I drink too much. <laughs> Like they did with <laughs> Halloween Kills. Michael! Michael's still here! His eyes! His <laughs> eyes! Yeah, no, it's good. Yeah, I'm simultaneously interested in low expectations. So. But yeah, we got that. We'll talk about the uh, the rest of our Halloween episodes to come. So uh, stay tuned for those. Hopefully you tune in next week for our episode on uh, Missing in Action. And um, until then. Take care.